the love for nature has always, always, always been there. That's just been a part of my life since before I can remember. But I do think that photography has like deepened that appreciation or just it makes you notice things, you know, like you you notice the light when it's doing something beautiful or you notice details. And that was something that it's done for me. It makes me it's just, I don't know, slow down and appreciate a lot of those those like finite moments, I guess. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chase Travis Live Show. This is your friend Chase here, your internet friend. And today I'm happy to welcome you to another episode of Summer School 2023. If you're not familiar with Summer School, this is a section of podcasts that I have personally curated looking back over the past 13 years of the show that I wanted to integrate into the summer 2023, along with other micro shows and other guest shows, just like always. But these are shows that have had an expressly impactful, um, just deep meaning for me personally, or I have noticed via the number of downloads or the number of feedback or comments on the internet that this has been a doozy of a show. And I wanted to resurface them because we got a lot of new listeners and hey, look, if there's something that was good like seven years ago and I haven't listened to it again, I'm guessing that both of us need to hear it. So welcome to today's episode, which is Chelsea Yamase. This is Finding True North. Now, so many of us are along the path that we think we want, right? And only to realize that something's missing, that that something is where we feel incomplete. And the same was true for today's guest, Chelsea. Now, she goes by the handle Chelsea Kauai, as in the island in Hawaii, um, on the internet. So you may be familiar with her or her work, having seen some of her imagery. She found herself heading into a career that was slowly killing her soul. And through this winding path of architecture, graphic design, journalism, and all sorts of different side hustles, she finally found herself faced with the big question to pursue the unconventional life of her dreams or stick to a real job. And I'm guessing that you can see the future here because I'm about to tell you that she went for it. And today she is a model, a photographer. She tells beautiful stories all across the internet in audio, visual, um, film, photos, stills, across all sorts of different media. She's an amazing storyteller. She's been featured in Travel and Leisure, Cosmopolitan, Condé Nast, just to name a few. She's an amazing creator. I'm very, very happy if you're not familiar with her work to introduce her to you. And if you are familiar, this is a deep dive into, I would say, the Chelsea behind the Chelsea that you see on the internet. She's very, very open and transparent in her social feeds. But today's deep dive, this long form podcast is a great way to get to know a little bit more about her and to learn how to chase your dreams. So Again, welcome to Summer School 2023. Here's yours truly and Chelsea. Today's episode is brought to you by Outside. These are the fine people who bring you titles like Outside Magazine, Ski Magazine, The Yoga Journal, Climbing Magazine, Warren Miller Entertainment, and more. Now here's the deal. When I was coming up as an action sports photographer, Outside Magazine was the place to get your photos published. And it still is today. To me, that's absolutely incredible. Except now they also have lots of other ways to get your work out there in the world. 
Now, specifically what I wanna call your attention to today is that I am a judge for the inaugural Outside Awards, the Outside Photo and Film Awards. This is where you can win a ton of cash. If you are one of six finalists, you win $5,000 cash. And then if you are a People's Choice winner, you win an extra $10,000 plus you get a ton of exposure, which I'll share with you in just a second. But I do need to let you know that I'm judging this thing, right? I'm judging this alongside legends like Jimmy Chin. You probably know he's a legendary climber and photographer. He's also the director of the Oscar-winning documentary Free Solo. I'm also judging with climber Sasha DeJulian, skier Lindsay Dyer, and that legend Olympic gold medal skier Johnny Mosley. Now, in addition to getting your work seen by these judges, and in addition to this cash. Whether you're a photographer or filmmaker, you get a chance to get your stuff seen. The filmmakers, for example, the three top winners get to tour with the Warren Miller film for the entire winter and compete for that people's grand prize. So like right there, that's 100,000 people getting to see your film on the big screen. Now there's also all, all sorts of other perks like you get to appear in Outside Magazine, Ski Magazine. So the exposure to these judges prizes, the visibility as a photographer or a filmmaker is unheard of. Nothing like this existed when I was coming up. And I think this is an amazing fast track for your career as a photographer or a filmmaker. Now, again, the punchline is there is some urgency here. You have to get your entries in by July 31st. That is a hard deadline. And how do you do it? That's a good question. Go to outsideonline.com awards. That's outsideonline.com dot com slash awards. Don't delay. You got to get your stuff in by July 31st. Okay. Now back to today's episode. Chelsea, welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Chase, this is awesome. I could not be more excited and I'm just, this is my first podcast ever. So like, I'm probably going to say all those things that they tell you, like <laughs> in hindsight, like, whoa, that was way too honest, you know? So I'm, I'm thrilled. This is going to be fun. Oh, well, I'm so grateful to uh, have you on the show and, um, that it's your first is a, is a big surprise to me because I've, um, appreciated your work from afar for a long time. And we just full transparency for everybody listening. We met on the internet through uh, just around our individual creative outputs. Um, and I first got acquainted with your work probably, I don't know, if you left a comment or I got a, uh, uh, like so, someone that I followed, followed you and I got like a recommendation. And I, regardless of how it ended up, I just was so inspired by your work and um, did a little poking around and found out that, that you would, you've made all this for yourself from scratch. And so for anyone who's not familiar with your work, the goal would be to share um, and, and connect you with a, a whole new set of fans and followers. Um, that being said, you've got a, a million or so of your own fans and followers. So this is nothing, nothing new, but I would love for the folks who, for whom are new to your work, give us a little bit of backstory. How do you Describe yourself and um, what is it that you like to do with this one precious life that you've got? Oh, so many things in there. But first of all, <laughs> thank you for for that. Yeah, I think I actually got connected to you because I recommended your podcast to my audience because it's something that has helped me oh, just like so immensely on my own creative and entrepreneurial journey. So 
it's definitely full circle right now here for me. Um, I love it. I yeah, love it. it's so cool. Uh, but for those that don't know me, um, yeah, I have an audience on Instagram. That's my main platform. Um, it's mostly focused on outdoor adventure travel. But for me, that's really just those are the images. That's the vehicle. But what I'm really, really passionate about, I guess, um, is just kind of more of like mindful living, like I'm trying to answer my own question of what does it mean to live like a fully fulfilled life and what does that look like? Um, and so that's kind of been my own creative journey. Uh, it's looked like this weird squiggly <laughs> pasta thrown against a wall that none of it made sense at the time. And then looking back, you're like, oh, yeah, everything was perfect. Why did I Why did I question all of that? Um, but yeah, it's been a heck of a journey for sure well let's let's go back and i want to get real specific okay. because there is there was at some point in your life where mm -hmm. and to me this is the beauty of your story or what i know of your story um for the listeners and viewers who are paying attention to this right now and that is there's someone sitting in their car in traffic or on a running path somewhere or at their desk and they're aspiring for a different life than they have right now. And so sort of wherever they are, there's a gap between where they're sitting or standing or walking or whatever and where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And at some point you were living that there was a gap for you as well. And so in order to a orient us to your world and, and B, so the folks at home don't feel isolated alone. And so we can connect to them. Tell us about that moment where you, the, the gap that was, you know, where you were when you first started thinking about making this life that you're currently now experiencing possible and what you did to get there. For sure. So my story goes back, I'd say to, gosh, honestly, to like middle school, you know, um, I was taking media production classes and I was producing the morning news in middle school. And <laughs> I now love this, it. yeah, it was, it was just so random. I don't even know why I, cu I couldn't tell you why. Um, but all through high school, I took photography and videography lessons. But that being said, it was art was sort of like just this. Not, not like, it was just like this silly hobby, you know. It didn't it didn't mean anything. It wasn't going to get me anywhere. Um, I was going to be an architect. That was my main thing. I was 4.0 student. I was scholastic to the ends of the earth, um, and I was just so straight edge. Like that was my path. Um, I got early admitted to college, to one of the best architecture schools in the nation, and spent a year there. And I, I realized pretty quickly within that first year, why the heck did I think I wanted to be an architect? Like, it, it just, the path didn't really make sense to me anymore. I was sitting there drafting till four in the morning and, and just inside all the time. That was the main thing that really was starting to kill my soul, was just being always indoors and it wasn't so much that it was hard. It just, it didn't spark anything in me. Like I would look around and see my roommate who was like so jazzed on, on our projects and what we were doing. And I just didn't feel that. Like I would do my work and I would feel nothing. And there was no, there was just no joy there. Um, so I actually took an academic leave and was like extremely freaked out because this was the first time in my life that I was even remotely deviating from this like very, very stringent path that I had for myself. Um, and I actually was just online and on a whim started looking up graphic design schools because I'd always loved graphic design. I'd always loved photo editing and putting things together. And that was just 
something that really, I don't know, made me happy. And long story short, I ended up going to a design school for a year, getting a design certificate and just pushing more into all these like weird paths of creativity where um, then I started copywriting for a small boutique agency and um, ended up doing journalism school because I love like the written language, like the written word. And uh, though all those skills kind of came full circle right as I was graduating with my journalism degree and social media was, you know, starting to become more of a, a platform, I guess you could say, maturing as a platform. And I was sharing my life on there um, and thought absolutely nothing of it. It was, it was completely unintentional, but I was just showing like things that I love. I was hiking, I was diving, I was, you know, showing my life at school and started to build an audience through there, which was very, very odd for me. Um, was that time. intentional? Was that no, intentional? Were you like, no. you were just like, okay, I'm going to bring these social media platforms along on my journey as I'm still doing my design stuff and copywriting, but it's mm-hmm. what I'm doing in my spare time. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of like this weird thing where I had all these side hustles going on. Like I was making jewelry. I was writing for the school newspaper. Like literally I probably had five jobs at one point and to me, none of them made sense, but I was like, Oh, well, this is kind of fun. This is kind of fun. Um, And I guess that speaks to just a little bit being entrepreneurial from the start of trying to figure that part out. But um, yeah, the social media side was absolutely unintentional. It really stemmed from starting to free dive and starting to show that learning process of free diving. Um, And that became kind of its own journey on the whole social media platform side. Um, But yeah, to just bring it full circle, I... Ended up moving back home, was in my early 20s, and honestly just felt really, really lost. Like, I I, I was kind of happy. I kind of had all these things going on, but nothing really was sticking, you know? Nothing really was. It was just kind of like, okay, this is good enough, I guess. But I always felt this thing inside me that was like, hmm, I don't know, like... I want to travel. I want to connect people. I want to do all these other things that there was no container for it. There was no job description or, or job title that, that held all those things at the time. And I had one mentor in my life who I really credit for kind of sparking this journey for me because she, uh, lives a very unconventional life. She's a national, uh, like so many world champion spearfisher woman and just lives very much by her own, like, creative journey in true north and she was like you know Chelsea you're doing all these things you're you know you're doing graphic design you're uh I was even private tour guiding at the time outdoors and she's like at a certain point though like you're gonna decide that it's not enough for you and like you'll know when that point is and you're gonna make a leap into something else and at the time I was like that sounds scary I don't know if I would do that um but sure enough a few months later I was getting a few more, you know, more opportunities through social media. And I was just like, you know what, what the heck? Like, why don't I just try it for six months? Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I can come back to this job. Um, And even though it, it, it felt silly, it felt silly to me to be pursuing this. It was something that made me happy and really excited. And so 
I told my boss I was, you know, I was quitting and all these things and made that transition. I just told myself, okay, I'm going to try it for six months and, and see what happens. And that was four years ago. And I never looked back. Wow. Wow. All right. I've got many questions. Okay. Sorry. That was like so long. That was the best, but that's like, that's, that's what, what we're all craving is a real story and genuine connection and hearing that our weird, imperfect, um, life is actually like other people who have found their passion in life and pursued it and are living their dreams. And so that was beautiful in all of its imperfections. So thank Thank you for sharing now, but I do have many questions to be fair. Um, and it, one is, uh, well, one, I was literally just, uh, just, do you know who Chris Burkhardt is? The photographer? Absolutely. Chris is amazing. Okay. Chris was just here with me, uh, I don't know, two hours ago. No. Yeah. And we spent a bunch of time together and, uh, part of what we were talking about is that same moment that you just described for each of us, each of us, just when we're acknowledging that we're, there's a little dissatisfaction, sort of kind of ennui, a little bit of like, I'm not quite sure what's, I wouldn't call it wrong, but I just don't feel whole. And, uh, and there are a lot of people giving you input, whether mm-hmm. it's in a positive way from like your mentor or, um, in a scary or frustrating way that teachers and career counselors and parents sometimes do it. But I think it's what to me was fascinating. And Chris and I each had different answers, but to the, to the point you made, which is you gave yourself six months. There's some arbitrary time that you're like, okay, I'm going to try this. Yeah. And so two questions, one, how did you pick six months? And two, what was the, this, I'm going to give this a try. Mm. So the this, that's easy. This was doing social media full time. I had been, I guess the the one thing that really made me have to make a decision was I had been offered a job that would be a month long job uh, writing articles during a trip for the Indonesia Tourism Board. And I was like, whoa, a month is a long time. I can't exactly just tell my job, hey, I'm going to be gone for a month. Hope that's cool, you know. Um, so I sort of was forced to make a decision of like, what, what is my priority here going to be moving forward? Um, so that was the, this component of it, the six months, Lord knows how I decided that. I think it just was a something to give it structure so it didn't feel so scary or that I, I was so used to having, you know, these like metrics for success, whether those were grades, whether those were, you know, an ability to move up in the job that I was in that I felt like this whole, you know, just, oh, I'm just going to decide to do this thing was very foreign to me at that point in my life. And so six months was like, okay, I can do this for six months. And if it doesn't work out, it's not going to like ruin my whole life and existence. You know, it was like, it just created these, a safety zone for me. But I think that's a, that's an amazing, um, factoid along the way there, which is that I think a lot of, I, I know this was true for myself, like that structure was in conceptually was the enemy because I wanted to be creative and creativity is, doesn't have structure. And then my life, I talked, I wrote about this in my book. As soon as I actually applied some structure, like, what am I doing? I want to start a portfolio. I want to give myself X, X number of months. I'm going to spend this much money. I need to make this much money off my waiting table side job or whatever it was. It sort of gave me the freedom 
to explore. And it's that exploration that helped me figure that out. And it sounds like that was similar for you. Is yeah. it, am I putting am I putting words in your mouth? No, or? no, no. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. So part of why I was so I mean, there's a not, l- number of reasons I was excited to have you on the show. Um, one, this full circle that you started listening to the podcast a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and then two that you just literally turned the camera around on your, the life that you were already living. Like there wasn't, you didn't have to like move to Paris or get a new set of friends or like, like put on some mask. You just literally started documenting the things that you were doing. And so those are two separate ideas. One on the full circle thing, just so we can tie the bow, you know, what were some of, aside from this podcast, like what, where did you get your inspiration that helped paint the picture because a lot of us are looking for inspiration. They're like, we only know what we know. And so how did you, in a sense, get beyond what you knew? How did you find inspiration that gave you the path that you wanted to be on? Holy moly. That's a good question. I'm a pro. You're a pro. This is what you do for a living. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I think for me, I... I guess I looked around and started, honestly, I think I just started surrounding myself with people I wanted to be like, or whose, you know, thoughts I admired or lifestyle I admired. Um, And it wasn't so much that I wanted to like copy someone else's journey, but it's just that I found um, their their thought process, like intoxicating and inspiring. Um, so I have had, besides like, um, the friend that I already mentioned who was kind of, yeah, living this more bohemian lifestyle or creative lifestyle. Um, other, I just started meeting, you know, other photographers or other people who had sort of, yeah, started, were, were just a little bit farther along in their own creative journey. And it showed me what was possible. So I don't know if that's exactly what you're getting no, at, but I think no, that's, that that's that's, that's where I found found my niche and kind of, you know, we're all just standing on the shoulders of people who came before us, obviously. So it's like, of course, I was but, I was looking but, around. But but I think the people part. I'm going to emphasize that part mm-hmm. of your answer because that to me that is, um, I think something that if you've made that decision or started that process. It's obvious, but if you haven't, you don't know what it's like to be around people who are inspiring or because you have a, uh, basically a, a fixed mindset or you're in a, an environment, a place, a home, a school, a job mm-hmm. where there isn't a lot of inspiration that you have to go looking. It's your job and you've got this one precious life. And as a first step, just start spending more time in that environment. And if you can't physically for some reason then you can emotionally and through the internet start spending time in and around that community. So that, you know, you crystallize that maybe better than we have in any other conversation on the podcast. It's so much started with the people for you. It sounds like. Yeah. A hundred percent started with the people. And, and like you said, there are different forms of finding that inspiration for me. I've always loved books before I ever could travel before I ever could you know, financially or physically get out from where I was. I mean, I live on an island that is 
20 miles wide. Like it's very small. (laughs) Um, And I just read, I was a voracious reader my whole life. And maybe that's, you know, impacted my sense of courage or my desire for adventure or something. But that's definitely something that I think is, has been monumentally important for me is both the people aspect and, and and honestly books. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the book thing in just a second, but to finish (laughs) the second part of my very complex two-part question, the second part was what I noticed or what it seemed like to me, this goes back to something you mentioned a second ago about free diving, for example, you literally just turned the camera around and started sharing what it was that you were doing. And it didn't occur to me that you had to make up a bunch of, uh, a bunch of stuff to do. And that, that what felt so authentic when I tapped into your world was like, you know, there's this amazing woman who's getting into adventures. She's doing it with people she likes to be around. And so as it started with free diving, why don't you start now, now paint a little bit of a more complete picture. Cause now obviously you travel all over the world and you do get to work with brands and, uh, and other creators that you like on a bunch of different platforms. But tell me the first couple experiences that you had turning the camera on yourself, whether it was free diving and then how that uh, segued into basically the full sort of 360 Chelsea that we see now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny at the time I didn't think of it that way. I just thought of it as, well, you know, what else would I share? Of course, I'm going to share the things that I love already, the things that inspire me already. Um, And so when I first started my Instagram and more, you know, photographic journey, that was a big part of what I was doing. I was learning to free dive with one of my friends who, you know, had uh, done photography, but never really that much underwater photography. So we were kind of like in tandem learning this process together. Um, and yeah, so I just started sharing a lot of that, but like you said, there was no, there was no moment where I felt like I had to invent things or come up with things or be a certain person because it just felt the most natural to me or like the only way that I could personally do it would be to like share the things that I know about and share what's close to home for me. Um, so it started close to home and then slowly like the Indonesia job or different things uh brands did start reaching out and saying well hey could you kind of you know you look like you're having a lot of fun in Hawaii but can we bring you to the Maldives and can you do the same thing here and I'm like what (laughs) uh yeah I can do that um and it's it's strange it's been strange because that arc of then getting totally out of my home environment for a number of years where I was on the road traveling probably 85% of the year. I'd be gone an average of five to six weeks. I'd be home for one week. And that was really when I, I was, you know, diving deep and, and shooting a ton and building my audience and doing all those things where it kind of got to be more like, whoa, this is a job, you know? Um, and now in this past six months to a year, I've really scaled back and and wanted to get back to the roots of those things that have made me happy and and was kind of like the impetus of this whole creative journey. And so I've been turning down things left and right and spending more time at home and making that a priority. And it's been 
a little vulnerable for me to actually share more of my home life. Like I think I actually shared a story the other day. I was like, is it weird for you guys to see this much of my home life versus just my travel stuff? And I was astounded. People like just hundreds of DMs, like we love your home life. Like that's why we follow you is just for that aspect. And, and that kind of blew my mind that I was like, oh, that's right. Like this is where I started and this is like, what I'm just, I'm just sharing what I love and that's all I, that's all I'm required to do, you know? Well, it's, to me, that's part of a, a, it's a missing piece of the equation for so many people because, you know, it, there's somebody who's sitting somewhere right now saying, I'm not enough. You know, Chelsea lives in Kauai and she's a free diver and she fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And you know, there's someone who's telling themselves a story right now about how uninteresting their life is or uninspired. And, um, and what would you tell that person? Because, you know, maybe they have a job they're not excited about. So if they turn their camera on themselves, um, you know, they, they would be revealing the fact that they lived an uninteresting, uh, uninteresting life. And, you know, I, I think at some point we've all had to face whether our life is interesting enough or worthy enough or are we enough. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, what I'm getting at is we all are. But I'm, I'm curious, like, what advice would you give that person? And, you know, based clearly on, on your own experiences or the experiences of the people you run around with? Yeah, well, I'd say a few things to that. And one is to your point that, yeah, I just as a former journalist or as a creative, I do not believe any person is uninteresting. We just everyone has a story and it's so fascinating. Like people fascinate me. It's so cool. Um, but beyond that, I think one thing that even just in a say, like in the simplest visual sense, like people will often tell me, oh, I just like, I don't live in a beautiful place or I don't, you know, yeah, I, I live with mountains beside me. Of course, that's like a huge privilege. But the most fun I have is say like on my last trip, I just went to Texas and I shot photos in a swamp and people were like, this is Texas. I live in Texas. Like, <laughs> this is so cool. And, and I've done trips to South Dakota or I've taken photos in like the murkiest, grossest water um, that just came out really cool. And, and I think that just speaks to the fact that if you know, if you can, you look around at your life and you don't have to live next to mountains or anything um, to to make something cool, to tell an interesting story. Um, it really is just a lot of your perspective around that. Um, certain things help more than other things, but the most creative I often feel are led by those constraints. You know, like when I have to make something in this weird environment, that I'm not, you know, there's no obvious waterfall. There's no obvious mountain peak. It's like, hmm, what am I going to make here? Like, this is fun, you know? Um, I shot a photo the other day at a truck stop on the side of the road. Amazing. And, Tell me know. more. Keep going. Tell oh, me more. I decided to make a shirt out of leaves because we had been driving for three days. It was hideously rainy <laughs> all the places we had wanted to stop were like oh that place is closed up oh, this one you know just flooded just flood <laughs> yeah just you know the things were not working out basically <laughs> was this um, in texas this was on the way to texas so this was we were driving from georgia 
to Texas and we were supposed to stop at all these like rad spots in Arkansas and all over. And yeah, just, it was like, so yeah, that was, (laughs) it was one of those, but, um, but yeah, you just like, you show up every day and you're like, what can I make here? And that's been the most fun that I've had was laying on the ground at a truck stop where people probably thought I was absolutely insane and being like, yeah, I'm going to make something. I'm going to make something here. And you made a shirt. <laughs> I made, yeah, I made like this leaf shirt. I was, it's, you know, who knows if I'm ever going to use it for anything, but I was like, this is fun. And it's just a way to, um, to keep sparking that creativity. You know, um, we, I, I especially get so caught up in like, just this like one dimensional mindset of like, there's only one kind of beauty or I think social media is really good at like kind of shoving us all in this box of like, this is the only kind of content that is epic or that should be seen. And I really wanted to like get out of that a little bit of it doesn't take an epic landscape and that nothing outside of myself is going to make me happy. It's just like, it's going to be from in here and it's going to be what can I make from the things around me, regardless of what's happening, regardless of where I am. That is a very powerful message. And clearly you live that. I want to grab onto something you said a second ago, which is, um, well, I'm going to fuse a handful of things. Uh, (laughs) Go way back to when you were unsure of yourself, like, what Mm -hmm. am I doing? I'm Mm -hmm. kind of pursuing this. And yet I've always had these metrics and a very clear path. And you were a good student with a focus in architecture. And clearly when you started figuring out that that's not the path that you want to be on that you you told a couple of stories about some exploration but what did you get were there pressure on you from your peers and friends and family to do a thing or be a thing and is that where your 4.0 came from is that where your architecture came from um because a lot of us uh and i'm saying us i don't necessarily um i don't the collective I don't, us I, I, yeah the collective us so like a lot of us who are listening have like well wait a minute i have a a job and a mortgage and, a, mm-hmm. you know, all these things, we, we put these barriers up and a lot of those barriers, just speaking frankly, in the same way that you talked about humans being so motivating, but there are also the flip side of that same coin is the, the people that we love can sometimes be the hardest on us um, because, you know, they may have lived a different life or were raised in a different era or with different values. And so was that a, a role in your life and how did you break through it if so? It was a role in my life. And I think it was a lot more of a self-imposed thing. Uh, my parents were have always been really supportive, and I know that that's not the case for everyone. Um, my dad is is self-employed; he's an entrepreneur as well, so it kind of helps. He's a, he's a fisherman, so he li- like lives on a boat most of his life. Um, and I I don't know the 4.0. Everything in me, all those achievement things were just. Honestly, they just felt like they were from me. Like I have always been really, really hard on myself. And that's something I still struggle with to this day um, is just letting go of some of that. Like, this is what your life should look like. This is your timeline. This is, you know, self-imposed X, Y, and Z. Uh, I could have an entire conversation on, yeah, timeline and age and being, 31 in a space that's dominated by people in their, gosh, their late teens, early twenties, you know, and feeling like, oh, 
am I too late for this? Is this even like, gosh, should I even be on social media? Like what the heck, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that, but no, the, the, yeah. the, the just the people in your life did, and you felt like you had oh, some supportive parents, but really supportive parents. Um, I think I, I compared myself a lot to my friends and that was very, very challenging for me. It's not that they made me feel less than, but I think just inherently when you have friends who are um, research scientists, who are, you know, Harvard grads, who are all these things, like really, really smart, incredible human beings to say, oh, I'm just going to kind of go pursue this like, you know, photography, outdoor adventure life. They're like, Mm, mm, a little like you just you get that sense of like what you're doing is less than or it's not serving society in the way that perhaps I thought I would initially bring value to the world and I completely disagree with that now but at the time that was a very real struggle for me was like gosh I'm I'm just being selfish and I'm not really yeah, I just I, I felt like I wasn't bringing value to the world, and that was that was really really hard for me. How did you get over it? It took a lot of time, and it took a lot of I'd say just like like it just took time, honestly. Um, a lot of self self work, I'd say, in the last three years. Um, because to be an entrepreneur or a creative, I think it really forces you to, to figure out some of those values in yourself, um, whether those are like what you're going to stand for or what you want to shoot or what you want your life to look like or what you're willing to sacrifice to get to those goals. Um, that's the thing that I guess this social media journey has taught me the most is how to get clear in those values. Um, because otherwise I was just sort of sitting there feeling like an imposter and I was just feeling terrible. And, and I think there were like, I just never would have kept going basically. Um, so I think self-work, but also uh, honestly getting really lucky and having some positive reinforcement from the outside as well was I'd say pretty critical to my personal journey yeah. just because it was something I struggled with so much. Well, I think a, thank you for sharing that. That's um, clearly very sincere and heartfelt. Um, you also said something that I loved in there, which is sacrifice. And I'm wondering, I think this is a, a thing that um, folks that are curious about um, tapping into their own journey, whatever that is that, that we either through storytelling or through social or through just pop culture, we often don't understand or don't see the sacrifices that are required. And so I'm curious if you can talk to me and everyone who's listening a little bit about what sacrifices you feel like you have made, because everyone who I know who's built an audience and is, you know, quote, living their dreams, there was plenty of things they had to say no to. And sometimes those decisions were hard. And I'm curious if you can, share any of that with us yeah for sure um i think the first thing that comes to mind is that i have sacrificed a lot of 
a lot of time with my family and potentially some friendships as well along the way um, in terms of just being young, not understanding how to manage my time, kind of, you know, maybe like taking people for granted along the way. Um, You know, you try to be really mindful, but inevitably, like for me at least, I – I did have to pour a lot of my time and soul and, and especially with social media, there's no off days in photography. Like, you know, this, there's no off days. There's no like off times, sunrises and sunsets. That's like your dream time. I'm saying no to, you know, my family knows that I will not be at dinner ever if it's scheduled during sunset. Like it's just not a thing. Um, so those were some, some, And I was lucky to have people that either a, like my sister at one point, like called me out like hard. She was like, you know what? Like this thing is, is like, it's impacting our, our relationship as, as sisters, it's impacting your friends. And like, maybe you love it, but maybe you need to rethink the way that you're doing this. Um, That was a freaking big moment for me and it did not feel good. And I really had to realize like what is the cost of this thing that I'm pursuing and is there a way to do it more sustainably? Um, Would you yeah, keep talking? This is, this is amazing. <laughs> what did you decide? Um, I, I decided on people, you know, and, and, and having actual life experiences uh, because it's very easy to just go around and document your entire life when that is the thing that you're showing uh, because everything is content, you know, everything can be shown. And I was like, you know, that's just like, I need to be able to have some limits. I need to be able to put down the phone or put down the camera or just have times that are just for me and not for anything else. Um, so that was one decision that I made. And also, just really had to, that was kind of like the start of my mindfulness journey because I think I always thought I was like, Hey, I'm a pretty nice person, you know? And that was sort of just this moment that like hit me in the face and was like, maybe I'm not as like self-aware as I think I am. Maybe the way I make people feel or what I'm presenting isn't what I think it is. And so, yeah, I just started diving a little bit more into that and being like, Mm, okay, like, how can I be a better listener? How can I be more thoughtful? Um, and that whole aspect of mindful or just intentional living has now become, I think, like, a massive part of what's really exciting for me, just in life in general. Does um, that have to do with you coming back to Kauai and traveling less and uh, documenting a little bit more of your your actual home life environment? Absolutely. Yeah. It started, I, I just like, again, going, it kind of goes back ties into sacrifice where, yeah, of course I'd love to be jet setting all over the world. And that's really fun and exciting and seeing new places. But I was like, is this really sustainable for my health? Is this sustainable for the planet? Am I, you know, standing behind the things that I'm saying in terms of like, consuming more mindfully. Uh, and I felt like I was, I was like a little bit out of alignment there. And so I was like, you know, I want to, I want to do deep work. I don't think that 
that's necessarily going to come from always moving, always jumping around here and there. And I just wanted to feel a bit more like grounded and, and have a community around me. And so, yeah, that was like a decision that I made was to turn down a lot more work um, to return, you know, and, and stay home a lot, lot, lot more. Uh, but yeah, the other thing in, in, in terms of sacrifice was just uh, sacrificing, I guess, like monetary or financial gains to stay in alignment with, um, with things that I believed in. Because as you know, as a creative, sometimes that gets like very tempting. Um, when those yeah. big budgets come at you, you're like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, and, and having to check in with myself and be like, all right, well, is this like something I'm going to feel, feel good about and, and really, yeah, struggling with those things. And you're the only person that can tell yourself like what you stand for. So it's hard. You can't really get advice on that, you know? It's so true in creative calling, I call them the big three there. Uh, like, and these are things that as much as you want them to, maybe not influence or play a role that they, they absolutely will one. And I'm curious uh, if you can expand on these, cause we talked a little bit about money, money always will find its way into the, into the equation mm -hmm. Two, the people that you spent time with, right? Cause you're choosing those things. And the third one that I talked about, which is what I want to explore now is creative control. And this idea of creative control is, um, if you've never had it, then you don't miss it. And if you've had it before, or if, it, if you insist on it in say in preservation of your brand or presenting or aligning with your values. So I'm wondering if there have been any times we've already learned that they're like that, how valuable, you know, in part you credit it to being who you are and what you're doing now is who you spent time with. Mm -hmm. We've talked about money, both saying yes and no aligned with your values or not. And so I'm curious if in this third world, this, this third piece the big three um if just how you how you think about that yeah about creative, creative control sorry specific, yeah no no specifically, specifically creative creative. Control. um yeah i have been very very much like i just i have to i have to have creative control and um it's something that i've really advocated for for my work um because mostly because I just don't know how to do it another way um and there are times when obviously clients or jobs can come and and try to give feedback or do different things and you try to be cognizant of that but in terms of like saying things that I don't believe in or just anything I just can't I just can't do it. Like, I don't know. Integrity to me is the most important thing. And I've always said that for my brand, it's extremely just like, it's not advantageous in a lot of ways that it is me. Like my social media is me. If you know me, that is who I am to, to a pretty high level degree. Um, I love when people meet me and they're like, oh, you're exactly how like, you present yourself or exactly how I thought you would be, you know? Um, and I think that goes back to just, yeah, having that really high level of creative control and it's just something I've needed, but I don't know. I'd be curious. What do you, what do you think? How does that work for you? 
Yeah. It, um, especially around things that, that matter to me. I can't not do it. Yeah. And I also have learned compromise. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are ways where I might initially not have thought, you know, I've been a stomp, stomp my feet. And then just through a little bit of reflection or hesitation or um, just being willing to look for ways to compromise in a way that, that didn't comp- that didn't ultimately compromise my values and, you know, met a client halfway. So I, I don't make a habit of that. That's not the place that I run to, but creative control. And I've said no to literally millions of dollars of work, not even blinking an eye at that figure um, because it wasn't aligned with my, either my values or who I wanted to spend time with or, um, I think it's always, it's predominantly been a values thing. Yeah. Isn't it funny how, sorry to interrupt you, but no, it's the law, like the, I don't know if you found this as well, but the, the more I've practiced that and the more I've leaned into that, the easier it gets. It was infinitely harder for me to do that in the beginning, maybe because you're more uncertain about, you know, everything about, are the jobs going to keep coming? Are they just, is, you know, is it just the work going to dry up? Are people going to start hating me? Da, 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 da. And I, I guess once I, you know, once I realized that, like that life goes on and actually it just, things become so much easier and so much more clear. Once you set some of those like boundaries, you start actually calling in more of the work that you really love and more of the people that you really actually want to spend time with. Um, so that's been a cool thing for me that I guess looking back, if I were to give, you know, even the smallest bit of advice to people that are starting out to be not to be too afraid of saying no to things that you really genuinely don't feel good about because other opportunities will come. And that is not the end of the world. You know, the way I think about it is um, with, with all those sort of the, what I call the big three is if you, that's why I like to get my values sorted out before those things present themselves. Because if you, if you, someone presents you with, you either get a hundred grand or zero and you don't know what you stand for, then you don't really have a framework to make that decision. And so I, I advocate getting really, really clear on like, what are the, the, the what's the rubric where how you can judge something to be in line with my values or not? What, what, what's your approach? How do you, is, is it the same way? Did you develop these quickly over time when you when you got a few of these deals in your face that were not in line with your values? What was it like? Yeah, I wish someone, I wish I had read your book. I wish your book had been available five years ago or four <laughs> years ago, you know, because that is a massive thing. And, and it was something that I felt like I honestly stumbled my way through um, because I hadn't created that framework for myself ahead of time. And it's so easy to like self-justify you're like well it's okay because of x y and z and like i could make it work this way um when at a gut level like yeah. i knew i knew that it wasn't right um so i guess what really changed it for me was i i did it i took one of those jobs that i kind of knew in the back of my mind wasn't something that really felt good to me and that I didn't stand for. And, and throughout, it was a massive project and throughout the whole thing, it was, it was the most I had ever been paid for something. And it is the worst I've ever felt about something. And I think walking away from that was just 
such a lesson for me. And in, I was like, I never want to feel that way again. I do not care how much money is offered to me. I do not want to feel that way. I don't want to feel, I, I felt shame, you know, I felt embarrassed. And it wasn't that the, the content was, it was very well received and everything, but it just wasn't something that I stood for. And, and that helped me create that framework of, of being like, no, if, if at a gut level, I know I have to honor that. I think that's how you find what that edge is or find the other side. I'm, I don't want to come off too preachy because I've had to do the same thing many times. And it's those course corrections along the way where you're like, you justify it to yourself or, and you know, in one, it was like, I'm not quite sure how I feel about this. And mm -hmm. if I'm not sure I'm, I'm willing to take it. And then you're partway through and you're like, you realize that there's that part of you that knew before you, when you, you sort of like there was a little bit of self-deception. So that's a, where I want to turn our topic. Uh, I've, I only have a handful of bullets and this is a, a one of the key ones is intuition. Mm. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate of intuition and I want, I want you to talk to me about the role that that plays in your life. Oh gosh. <sighs> intuition is enormous for me to a degree that's like, I find almost embarrassing, but I just trust it so much now that I'm like, I just have to go with it. Um, I, when I receive an email, for example, it's really just a gut reaction for me a lot of times of like, whoa, is this something I'm excited about? Is this something that kind of like, ooh, my energy level just like peaked? Or is it something I'm like, uh, well, what's the budget? How much, you know, this and that? Or is it, am I avoiding it? So intuition for me has become huge, not only in terms of, you know, like the business entrepreneurial wise, but just in all aspects of life, honestly. Um, like I got into so many new weird hobbies and habits and things simply because I I was like following what felt right and what felt good to me. Um, and I've what's some, created what's some examples with that. Oh, okay. So one was, I'd say um, like acro yoga was a, such a random one that I fell into that I've learned so, so, so many lessons from and like, you know, met all these incredible people. And it was really just like a curiosity thing of like, oh, I think I want to try this. Never, I don't know, never thought it would be like, had no plan for it. I was just like, I don't know, this kind of like is interesting. So things like leaning into things like that um, or even just, um, you know, in, in uh, like I said no yesterday, I think it was, to this amazing, amazing trip to Indonesia Um that a few years ago, I would have never, ever turned down, you know, um, because I just could tell I wasn't, you know, like intuitively, I wasn't that excited about it. Um, and then sure enough, something else has come in that's a way better fit that does make me super excited. And each time you trust that, you trust it a little bit more. Uh, um I'm going to name drop here because I think it's awesome. It does so well with what you said. I I was asking Richard Branson the same thing. And he's like, 
mate, they're like buses. And like that's a terrible Richard Branson. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. It was it was like it was, I think he said they're like buses. There's always another one coming. And yes. if you if you sort of like if you trust the universe, if if you believe that you're on the right path, that's part of intuition. As soon as I started like doubling down on that, and I love your like what I don't know, you said like freakish alignment with intuition. You said yeah. something much more poetic and beautiful, but <laughs> like and and the same was true for me when I really started doubling down on it. You know, it was in those times where I said no to the things that I was on the fence about earlier based on money or attention or you know, whatever, you know, I thought was going to come my way when I really was like listening to the universe and, and my, my insides is like, that's when the best stuff started happening. It was, it wasn't even like, kind of like, hmm, I need to do some research and look back. It was like, it was so obvious to me that when I started making decisions in line with who I was and, and saying no, that way better things happened. Like, right. It was almost like the universe kept rewarding me. Like, good job, you know, and we're going to pay you in this more awesome thing that you never had imagined before. Um, and it sounds like that's, that's true for you. Totally. Totally. That's, I mean, I have abundance tattooed on me because it's like a core belief, um, that yeah, there's just so many things out there and that, um, this journey can be whatever I want it to be. And if I let, um, that kind of like inner compass guide me, then it's just going to bring me closer to alignment of this journey being something I really want it to be and really enjoy being on. All right. Go, let's go back to the the tattoo. Mm -hmm. There's a story, there's a story there for sure. You don't just, (laughs) just wake up one day and say, you know what? Abundance. That's what I'm tattooing. So how did you arrive at that? And, uh, well, I actually got three all in the same night. Um, I had, I had wanted to get, tattoos for a while but just it was one of those things where I was like how do you know of something that you're going to want on your body for the rest of your life like that's a commitment and a half um and I so I actually got three so it says uh, joy on one wrist abundance on the other wrist and then I have a sunset on the inside of my arm um which anyone that knows me knows that I try to never miss a single sunset in my entire I've life. I've seen you write, writing your uh, your Super Seventy Three to the sunset spot. I see that on your on your feed. Oh yeah, is that, is that oh. every night? Nightly. Yeah, and anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. I mean, I have watched sunsets in you know parking lots and in you know wherever on a boat. It doesn't matter. I just it's a habit I've tried to create for myself. But yeah, very often, especially when I'm home, it's that last. 30 minutes of the day is so sacred to me. And I'm always like, get to the beach or get somewhere. And I'm biking as fast as I can. Um, So yeah, the story was actually, uh, I, I was going through like a really hard breakup recently, um, which has been both really beautiful. And I think again, goes back to leaning into intuition um, and just having to trust the process. Uh, but there was this like <laughs> like this song, this affirmation song um, that says, I easily find and joyously create abundance. And that's a line in the song. And it just hit me really, really hard of, of like that's, I don't know, that's just like a core, core belief in my life. Um, and so I decided that, uh, you know, it was a few weeks later, but basically that I I didn't want to get the whole quote, um, but I, I wanted to get those two 
ideas of joy and abundance kind of um, that that dichotomy just always, always with me. And clearly, um, if you're listening to songs that have those sort of affirmations and what else do you do to program your psychology? Mm. Is, are you just naturally joyful and abundant? Do you, you know, is there a set of beliefs and behaviors that you do on a regular basis to make sure you got good stuff going in your noodle or is it just natural? It's both. I have realized, and I think scientifically I've looked into it a little bit that some people are for whatever reason, just more programmed for like joy and gratitude. And I would say that for whatever, you know, reason that that has always been me, I just, I just love life. It is so awesome and so good. Um, but I used to get, you know, like, like everyone, everyone, you know, even now, like upset about things and mad about things and stressed out. And I used to be very, very, um, shy and very anxious. Um, and that's been a long progression through my life of figuring out how to kind of reprogram some of those, uh, thought patterns and behavior patterns. Um, I've, I'd say only in the last, like, yeah, six months or so really figured out what works for me actually. And the listening to affirmations at night is one of those habits. So if you want, I'll walk you through my, like my beginning and end caps of the day. Cause those are oh, kind of like golden. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, if you hear me tapping on my keys here, I'm taking notes. No, uh, just please. No, so, these are, I believe gold. these are things that you already do because I listen to your podcast and I know that you've, um, interviewed quite a few people around these different habits. But anyways, I'll go into mine. So first thing that I changed was I stopped having my phone be the first thing I touch in the morning. Um, I sleep with my journal next to my bed uh, instead of my phone because I just realized it was the first thing I would ever do every single morning would be grab my phone, check my email, check my social media. I live, you know, so far time zone wise on like on the Western coast of everything. So it was, it felt like my day was starting with this constant, like, like input of everything. I'm behind, I'm behind. I need to answer this. I need to do this. And there was no, there was no moment, you know, from the time I took my first breath in the morning to, uh, to really feel like I even was tuning into like any part of my own thoughts or emotions. It was just all reactive. So that was the first thing I, I started doing was um, I started journaling. And that's the first thing I do essentially when I wake up. Like I literally sleep with the journal beside me. I've realized if it's in another room, I won't do it. So I just I have to have it before I go to bed. It's right there with me. Um, the second thing I do is I um, and I try to kind of stretch as I journal and just move my body a little bit. Uh, the second thing I do is I make my tea, which is I do a blend of uh, a lion's mane tea. I use the Four Sigmatic one. I've been drinking that one for probably like three years now. But um, that plus this uh, coconut superfood creamer and a little scoop of local honey that my friend makes. And that is kind of my mm, like my sink in start to my day, help me focus, get really aligned and with just that, then, then I sit down, open my laptop. I start doing whatever it is that is 
kind of like the deep work or the most creative work of the day. Because for me, I found that I'm 1000% more productive in the mornings, pretty much by like two o'clock, I'm useless. Um, By nine o'clock, I'm practically asleep. So, um, you know, finding those productivity times and maximizing them was really important for me. Um, And so, yeah, so journal, make my tea, uh, sit down with a either physical or digital uh, kind of like, I don't call it a to-do list. I've called it a lot of things like an excitement list, things that would be great if I got done. I just try to like rename them and sound a little bit more fun because I, uh, I read in a, uh, in a book called Get It Done that, yeah, if you can kind of name your projects things that, that sound more fun, you're more likely to do them versus like the dreaded to-do list. Um, Amazing. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I start my day pretty much like every day now. And I can tell when I don't do those things because it just, everything goes off the rails so quick. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's amazing how that intention, how, how critical it is. It's so like, you know, if you're not really going to own your day, there's a whole line of people and list of things that are ready to plan it for you. Totally. You they know? will tell you what's important versus of like course. you deciding yeah. that. And yeah, I've loved when you've had like, Tim on the podcast and just him talking about like winning your morning, different things. So there's so many resources out there and I've been, you know, always just reading or listening to whatever I can find that will help me kind of maintain that. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's changed my life. So it's like one of those really simple, really weird things that you're like, okay, probably 20 people have already told you this. You've already heard it. Oh my gosh. Everyone journals, everyone meditates, but it's true, you guys. Like, it's true. Just please try it. Um, if, and try if, it from a sustained period of time. I think people yes. try it for a morning. And if they, you know, if it doesn't, like, transform them in 10 minutes, then they give up on it. And the reality is that anything takes, you know, a little bit of a, a – in order to stick, it takes a little effort. Yeah. So let's do let's do the other side of the day. Let's bookend. You, you talked about affirmations at night. I'm I'm over the moon to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the the afternoon one is a, a bit more simple, but typically um, when I'm home, I try to jump in the water every day. That's like that's just something that, gosh, is such a privilege, um, and that I obviously can't do everywhere but the things I do try to do no matter where I am on that swamp in Texas not, I, I jumped in that and people no believe, I did they're like you know there's crocodiles in there and I was like I don't know the sun was out it seemed like a good idea it was freezing and it smelled terrible I wouldn't recommend it <laughs> but okay, sorry. Um, didn't, didn't mean to get you off track there. no I, just had I love a quick it visual. I love it um yeah every night I watch the sunset and that is just it's, I don't know. It's such a Chelsea thing, but it's something that you can do no matter where you are in the or wherever I am in the world. It costs me nothing. And it is just, I don't know, like a reminder to myself to like tune into those really simple, like natural wonders that are happening every single day. Um, and that's, yeah, that's just kind of become part of my like gratitude practice, I guess. Um, and the other thing that I do is, yeah, right before I go to sleep, I listen to affirmations and I put it on, I just have it on like in the room 
and you can do a sleep timer on your phone where like it will shut off after 25 minutes or however long you set it. Um, and I listened to different ones, but, uh, yeah, I just, I had read this thing that said when you first wake up in the morning and right before you go to sleep, your brain is kind of in its most, um, pliable or suggestive state where you can really make those changes at like a subconscious level. Um, and so, yeah, that's my newest addition to my routine, but I really, really love it. Do you listen to affirmations at night? I don't. And this is why I'm, I'm wildly intrigued. I'm looking for some recommendations. Is there, are you, uh, I hate being, I hate putting, I hate being put on the spot for like, what's your favorite <laughs> book what's of all time? Favorite? I'm like, oh my God, I have a thousand friends who are authors. Like, yeah. Are you really doing this <laughs> to me right now? <laughs> so, so I don't want to, I don't want to put the heat on you, but is there a couple that you'd recommend or, or I'll, I will happily take your recommendations offline but um. yeah no so all on like I said this is the newest part of my practice and something that still feels a little like oh gosh this is funny but I'm gonna do it because it it I wake up and I feel great you know um oh also I go to bed really early that is massive for me but um the affirmations that I listen to are just on Spotify honestly I just google like I um I just search in Spotify for um like I think it's nightly affirmations or something. And there's a ton that come up and some of them are more instrumental. Some of them are, uh, you know, much more uh, verbally focused. Uh, so I just kind of put on a different one every night. And if there's one that I really like, I just give it a little heart and, you know, find it. it. But yeah, it's, it's, it is really subconscious though, because I fall asleep quite quickly. So I'm never really sure like, I don't know. What did I even really listen to? But I wake up and I feel amazing and feel like a goddess. So it's working. Clearly, clearly. <laughs> um, I want to. Uh, uh, I don't want to spend uh, the rest of our time talking about your routines, but I do find it um, really inspirational and powerful because these are such. These are things that anyone can can do. It doesn't cost money, and to me, that's an important. Uh, thing to provide access is one of my speaking of values. I want to provide access. Um, I want to create access for myself and I want to provide access for other people into hearts, minds and whatnot. And part of, um, part of that, that access is in deconstructing friends of mine who ha have developed these practices and found them to be useful. One, you mentioned sleep, so I can't let you off the hook without hearing a little bit more about going to bed early is obviously um, really, it probably helps with your sleep, but why early rather than stay up late and wake up late? Like what's, you know, tell me a little bit about that. How do you develop that habit and um, what it is? Mm. Um, part of it, I think is just because that is, what's more natural for me at this phase of my life, at least like I'm an, I naturally get tired earlier. Um, and I've just felt that I'm more productive and I feel so much better when, when I wake up really, you know, quite early. And I know that that goes very contrary to what a lot of creatives believe or like, they're like, no, I need that. Like, that midnight, you know, to 3 p.m. grind or whatnot. Um, so I guess I'd say on that sense, it is a very much just a personal thing of finding what, when your peak productivity hours are. For me, it is 100% mornings, and I love that. Um, 
So yeah, probably once it hits, you know, six, seven o'clock, I'm already wearing like my blue light glasses so that if I'm looking at screens or I try to minimize that, but if I am looking at screens or TVs, it's not kind of activating my brain and making me artificially stay up late. Um, and uh, I've just found that that really, really works for me in terms of feeling so fueled up and fired up the next day. So you said blue light glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. These are like, we're just peeling the onion here. It's <laughs> like, oh, and you go to bed early. Oh, and you wear blue light glasses and you sleep with a special blanket. And, <laughs> and, and Yeah. So I guess that is the other thing uh, that I do is I wear blue light glasses, which uh, I don't know if I'm sure you know, but yeah, it just filters um, kind of that artificial light coming from our laptops, TV screens, electronics in general. Um that tends to keep your mind activated and awake. And they say that even if you look at a screen up to an hour before you go to sleep, that it still impacts like the, um, the quality of your sleep. And so for me, I'm just always trying to hack like, how can I have the best life possible? Obviously we have to spend a lot of time sleeping. So it's like, how can I have the best sleep possible? How can I have the best, you know, like, uh, physical body possible how can I eat in a way that is uh you know within a system that makes me feel good and is good for the environment so all these things are just like going back to that main question that I stated at the beginning of like what does it mean to like live a really good life and I'm just like this is all just a big experiment for me you know of like maybe they'll prove in 10 years that the blue light glasses don't work I have no idea but for now I feel like it does help me and and I want to give myself every kind of little tactic and advantage that hopefully I can to um, to optimize my performance in this life. Amazing to think of life as a performance. I think that's, uh, you know, it, it's about making not just a masterpiece with art, but your life really is this amazing work of art and to not craft it and hone it. And I just I come into contact with people who think of themselves as a cork in the tide. And, you know, they're just bouncing around and life is really happening to them rather than for them. Mm. Um, anything else that, you you know, speaking of that programming, we, I heard affirmations, I heard journaling, sleep was clearly a part of it. Is there anything else? You mentioned mindfulness once in passing or meditation. Mm. Are those practices that you uh, that you have on the regular or occasional or anything else that we've we missed? Because you're clearly very connected to this part of your life. And I want to make sure to extract everything we can. Yeah. So I have actually not made meditation a habit. I would say I practice it occasionally, but it's definitely not a habit. I think for me, um, mindfulness is an everyday part of life where I've been trying to tap into like, what are all those little moments in my day that I can like feel even a little bit more grateful for? Um, and, and like how specific and how small can that get where like, yeah, every morning I'm sitting out on my deck and there's this one tree and just like the morning light hits it so perfectly. And I'm like, dang, I am so grateful for this one tree. Like, I love this tree. Um, and it sounds a little bit wacky and crazy. It does not I, sound wacky <laughs> at all. It sounds amazing. Like that's um, exactly the thing to be grateful for. But yeah, that's just wherever, 
wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm just trying to see that one tree everywhere. You know what I mean? And, and there's days where it's harder and there's days where it's easier, but it is just a practice. And the more that I've practiced it, I think like, I'm pretty proud. I think I've gotten pretty good at it where I can like find joy in a lot of places that I wouldn't have seen it before, or I'm able to like just stay centered in, in when, you know, when those hardships do come, which inevitably they will and they do for all of us and how you can kind of like learn to persevere and be your best friend in your own mind versus your worst enemy is, has been like very, very much a a journey and a practice and something that I hope and I think anyone can can do because I don't I don't think I'm special in that capacity but it is so important you you flagging it like intelligently smartly to know that like the most important words in the world are the ones we say to ourselves you know that's a very very powerful so if you can have that gratitude and pay attention to that tree um that as a tree as a metaphor there like that's obviously been a huge influence to you and I think that's another common thread that I get to uh have when I get to spend time around amazing inspirational creative people like yourself, that's, it's a very common theme to be able to do that. Um, and so, I think we all like find it in different ways. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Like mine, like some people find it through, yeah, creativity and photography and stuff. I think mine is actually through like movement and through adventures. And that's what kind of like connects me to this deep sense of appreciation for like each, whatever it is, whether that's like, free diving and being in the underwater world or, um, you know, just anything, uh, mountains. And for me, a big one is nature. Obviously that's like, that's kind of my massive on my gratitude map, I guess you could say. Um, what came first? What came first? Was it, you developed a passion for photography and then you needed to go to a place that, that was beautiful so you could take pictures or was it the other way around? You were, passionate about the environment and slacklining and acro yoga and travel. And then you just started to document it. Um, I think that the, the love for nature has always, always, always been there. That's just been a part of my life since before I can remember. But I do think that photography has like deepened that appreciation or just, it makes you notice things, you know, like you, you notice the light when it's doing something beautiful or you notice details. And that was something that it's done for me. It makes me, it's just, I don't know, slow down and appreciate a lot of those, those like finite moments, I guess. And, and also, yeah, just like movement and connecting with either nature or with people has been like a massive driver of gratitude. So yeah, sometimes that's slacklining or I don't know, it, it manifests it manifests itself in so many different ways in my life. Like everyone's like, God, you have like a thousand hobbies. And I'm like, yeah, I do. But they're all chasing that same thing, which is ultimately just like that feeling of focus and gratitude and connection. Focus. That's the first time you've said it. Maybe the second. Why focus? I think we live in a really distracting world. And it's, it's hard to focus. 
maybe I'm the only one, but no. I find it very hard to focus. <laughs> You're talking to a person who has really struggled with focus my whole life. So I'm, this is why I asked. Yeah. I think it's just, it's even living on a small island. It's just like it, it, it infiltrates like it's just the way that our society I think is set up right now is everything's fast it's immediate it's a hundred text messages and a zillion emails and things just coming at you left and right and it's pretty endless and I find it like hard to hard to focus in that climate and so I think when you know Cal Newport's like a hero of mine with all his you know his deep work, uh, and digital minimalism, yeah, and digital all minimalism, yeah. and all yeah. those things. Um, but just the idea that, like, focus and and being in control of my attention is some is a feeling that I seek in my life, and I find that in free diving, I find that in slacklining, I find that in acro yoga. Um, it's just yeah, I'm focusing on breath and not too much else, just like honing in on that one task that I'm doing. There is, I'm not, I'm not on the Slack line sending 10 emails, you know, it's like I'm doing one thing and single tasking is very hard for me. It's like, I'm like, I just want to be multitasking. I want everything to be, you know, going and I'm excited. And, and so finding those things that actually like, like bring that focus in and hone that focus. And then, I don't know, using that and using that skill and learning how to apply that in other areas of my life where like, hey, if I really want to like focus on something else, just trying to, um, yeah, just trying to recall or pull those skills that I've learned in the outdoors into every facet of my life, um, you know, creatively or just mentally. Focus, so powerful, right? Where our uh, attention goes, our energy flows. I think mm-hmm. that's how it goes, something like that. Um, well, I feel like I have—I—I I, I knew you from the internet and from some small exchanges that we have. But that this has been an amazing conversation. I thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story, which is crazy inspirational. Um, and thank you for being so relatable and I recognize and appreciate that in you and you're so talented. And I wanted to say thanks for being on the show thing one and thing two, this full, this is a, just an amazing full circle moment to uh, I think for the show We've had people asking for a long time to have people who, you know, started out on the other end of the show to be able to, um, to be here and to provide clarity and inspiration and vision. And you've done that in spades. Thank you. Uh, and we need to know the people at home again, of course, I know how to get you, but where's the best place? Where do you want to drive people's attention to pay attention to you out there on the internet? Oh, well, first of all, thank you, Chase. That was just so, so, so kind. And it's been like, yeah, just an utmost honor to, to be here and get to, yeah, get to chat and express in a long format. Like, what? It's, it's nice. It's comfy, it's isn't so it? It's, nice. re- it's relaxing. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. I'm not limited to like a little one paragraph thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, limited to Instagram, Instagram paragraph or a TV spot or a, ah, we get to breathe. Yeah. It's so fun. Um, definitely love conversations like this. So thank you. Um, and best place to find me would be on Instagram at Chelsea Kawhi. Um, that's, I'd say my main 
place that I like to live at this point. And I have a few other um, places launching. I'm going to be doing a private telegram group for people that do want a bit more of just like the real stuff and the home stuff. Um, I want to tune in this year to uh, just serving a, a smaller audience really, really well. And I think that that's going to be a way that I can do that. But um, yeah, for now at Chelsea Coy. Awesome. And thank you for the, the rooster noises in the background. And I see this little rain over your shoulder. I can hear it a little bit in the background. It's like you provided this amazing backdrop. I'm always, I want to add a little texture to the show and I'm trying to do some more in, in like cafes and like fly on the wall. And I just feel like I, I feel like I was sitting in your front room with you getting to listen to the, I don't know if it was chickens and roosters and birds and it was amazing. It's like you live on a farm or something. And I know it's beautiful. You do a nice job of sharing your view on the gram. So thank you for letting us into your front room too. Oh, for sure. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Chase. And thanks for, yeah, just all the knowledge that you and your guests drop um, along the way. It's it's helped me and I know it's helped a ton of other people. So yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it, Chelsea. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests, either on social media or through my text community, all of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing the show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.